The reason I wanted to do this three-part series is for that very purpose. I want us to understand afresh and anew the deep and the rich love God has for us and to understand that it is a consistent theme that we see throughout the sacred word. And it's, I think, what I want us to understand is to understand the nature of God is critically important for us as we live our lives. To understand the best we can the nature of God, to understand good theory, because good theory moves to good practice. And we see in the first message I gave the self-declaration of God's character found in the Old Testament, that he's compassionate, that he's loving, he's patient, he's full of grace. He also is about forgiveness, still not allowing the guilty to be unpunished, but yet his love endures forever. And he wants us to understand that as his primary characteristic of God is his deep and his rich love and his grace. Last week, I want us to understand the, the spiritual blessings that we have that flows from God's love in Christ for us. We belong. We have real freedom. We have purpose in our lives. We have a future. Today, I just want to reinforce God's great love for us from that passage in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And this will set the stage for the, the messages that will come, that will flow from our, our, this first series as we talk about next image bearers, as we look deeper as to who we are in Christ. So let's take a, think about this this morning, God's great love for us. In these three verses, we want to see the connection that's there. Sometimes it's not easy to see the connection as we look at passages in the Bible, but they, I think there's connection that John has in mind as he writes this, this message and letter to us. If there's any what's called an intergenerational spiritual book, it would be 1 John. For 1 John addresses people who are new in the faith as children, all the way to people who are adults who are mature in their faith. And he has different opportunities and challenges that he gives for people in different places spiritually. And I think there's always connection of thought that these writers intend to convey to us. But in these three verses, we see that we are children of the Heavenly Father and loved by Him. He wants us then to understand that the world does not recognize us or value us. We should not seek recognition as the people of faith. They didn't recognize Jesus for who he was. And regardless then of our lot or standing in life, we have an unbelievable future that's for us in Christ in the future. And then as a result, how do we live now? In anticipation of his return, in, in realizing what he's done for us. We live godly lives. Our focus of life is to live lives, as he calls, pure lives before God. Be like Christ is the focus of our daily existence. But he wants us first in this passage to understand that we are deeply, deeply loved by God the Father. How great the Father's love for us. That we should be called children of God. He mentions that twice and says, that is who we are. That is who we are. When we come to know personally Jesus, we become children of the Heavenly Father, children of God. It's genuinely important for us to know how much we're deeply loved by God. I appreciate my father, my dad. My dad was far from perfect, as we all are far from perfect. But one thing's for sure about my dad, he loved his kids. All eight of us, he loved us so much. In fact, sometimes it was embarrassing with my dad. Because everywhere he went, he would engage in conversation with people, and, it, and there was more than a few sentences out of his mouth, he'd start talking about his kids. Holly's starting to worry that I'm like my dad. <laughs> starting to worry. I just talk to people randomly about conversations as I live. 
But there was no question in my mind growing up that my dad loved me. And folks, I can't tell you how important that is. How important it is that there wasn't ever a time that I didn't feel the love of my dad. Now that's not always the case for many people. There's many people when they hear the image of father, it's not a good image for them. It's a very painful image. I can remember when I was in college life, as I was dean of students for a while, and, I, and as I would teach, that we talk, I would talk in the classes often because I would be teaching from the, the Bible, the importance of God's love as a father. And you can just see the, the, the empty stares on their face, many, some of the students. And lo and behold, as I would have conversation with many of them, they realized that their experience with their father was not good. In fact, some of them were abused by their father. So any thought of the father being a loving father was anathema to them. And I came to the realization that the only time they can ever really grab a hold of the love of the Father is to have somebody in their lives who demonstrates to them what the love of the Father looks like. Once they understand, they can see it experientially in their lives, how they've been loved and deeply loved by somebody, over time they might be able to make the transference then to realize and accept the fact that there is an eternal Father that deeply and deeply loves His children. I think there's a great need in our society for fathers. The father image. We should be careful in attempts to obliterate distinctions between men and women. I think it might be destructive for us to go that direction. However, I would like to say this. At the same time, there are characteristics that men and women share in common. Equal dignity. Equal dignity created by God. Also the characteristics that we see in God of strength and tenderness at the same time. We see many, many places in the Bible we see God's strength, His power and His strength. We see in Jesus this, this strength of character. But we also see the tenderness of God. Psalm 91.4 Under God's protective wings we're safe. Or in Hosea 11 as he speaks to Israel It was I who taught Israel to walk taking them by the arms but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with accords of human kindness with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek. I bent down to feed them. It just oozes, doesn't it? With the tenderness of God. Isaiah 66, a mother comforts her child, so I, God, will comfort you. Both the strength and the tenderness of God. As Jesus was crying over Jerusalem, he said, how often I would gather you as children, as children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. You see, God lavishes his love on us as special people, as special children. And that's the way it is. It's so important for us every day to realize the love that God has for us as his children. It is so critically important in our lives. Because what you're going to realize is we don't have to live very long to realize that the world is not going to recognize us necessarily. And he goes on in that passage to say they might not recognize, the world does not recognize you. They didn't recognize who Jesus was, the God in the, in the flesh, in the Son. And they might not recognize us. But it's not necessary to be recognized or loved by the world. Because we are so dearly and deeply loved by our Heavenly Father. 
Again, the people of Jesus' day did not recognize or value him. After all, again, he was the son of God. And a lack of recognition might be the same for us. They don't recognize that we are children of the Heavenly Father. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 describes his experience and his fellow disciples. We were fools for Christ's sake. But you were prudent in Christ. He's being derogatory to the Corinthians here. We were weak, but of course, you folks were strong. You, Corinthians, were distinguished. But we are without honor. To this present hour, we are hungry, thirsty, poorly clothed, are roughly treated, homeless. We toil the work of our hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we, when we are slandered, we console. We have become the scum of the world, the dredges of all things, even until now. It's quite a description, isn't it? <laughs> the Apostle Paul describes his standing and his as he, as he works in life. You see, he wasn't recognized. His followers were not recognized. Paul goes on to say, but you folks, he says to the Corinthians, are my beloved children, just as God says to us, we are his beloved children. And the reality is that's who we are. We have to understand sometimes when we experientially, we don't feel it, we don't, we, our experiences seems to work against it, but we have to affirm sometimes, again and again, the reality, the truth of who we are. You see, the goal of the Christian or Christianity is not to be acceptable in culture. Certainly it is not to be offensive. But we need to focus on being faithful children of God, true to Jesus. Let the effects and influences run their course, whatever it may be. Let God, let the Spirit do His work among us. It's not about, it's about faithfulness, not admiration. I'm abundantly uh, impressed by the life of Mother Teresa. I followed her life and even at the end of her life, she struggled with her faith. She even struggled with her assurance that she was a child of God. She struggled with that. But you know, Mother Teresa wasn't about fame and it wasn't about uh, reputation. It wasn't about what people thought about her. She just simply went about the business. Went about the business without recognition. Serving God faithfully in some of the most difficult places on earth. And she was recognized, at least admired, for her commitment to Christ in doing that. The early Christians were not admired nor valued in the world's standards. They were loyal followers and they were brutal persecutors. Approval, one commentator I said, is of the world is to be feared, not desired. But we never forget, regardless of what happens in our lives, regardless if we live a life that's not known, we are children with dignity of the Heavenly Father. Nothing will change that. We live in that reality. And what are you facing today that you doubt that you are loved by God? What are you facing today that you just don't feel much like the, a child of the eternal Father? You need to isolate that in your life. And you cling to this truth over and over again that you are a child of a loving Heavenly Father, overwhelmingly loved by Him. Sometimes we have to affirm this is true again, even when our experiences deem otherwise. As we begin this year, as we journey through this year, I want you more than anything else to affirm, to grab a hold of, to live in the reality of the deep love of God. As a result of that, we have an incredible future. When Jesus appears, folks, we'll be like him. For you'll see him as he is. 
Can you imagine the transformation that occurs as a, as a child of God when we see Jesus? We're not to shrink away because we are accepted and loved by God. But can you imagine the fantastic future we have? Philip Yancey writes this, God, Good Friday and Easter Sunday have earned names on the calendar. Yet in the real sense, we live on Saturday, the day with no name. What the disciples experienced in a small scale, three days in grief over one man who died on the cross, we now live through on a cosmic scale. Human history grinds on between the time of promise and fulfillment. Can we trust that God can make something holy and beautiful and good of a world that includes places like Syria, other places that is wrenching, the inner city ghettos and jammed prisons in our country, the richest nation on earth? It's, it's Saturday on planet Earth. Will Sunday ever come? And folks, as the people of faith, Sunday will come. Will come. Pastor Dave Peterson was preparing a sermon. His little daughter came in and asked him, Daddy, can we play? I'm awful sorry, sweetheart, but right now I'm in the middle of preparing a sermon. In about an hour I can play, he said. Oh, she said, when you're finished, I will give you a great big hug. She went to the door and did a U-turn and came back and gave her dad a bone-breaking hug. He said, you're going to give me a hug after I'm finished, in a teasing way. I just wanted you to know that what you have to look forward to, said the little girl, said the little girl. God wants us to know his first coming came at Christmas, how much we should look forward in the hope of the great return of our Savior Jesus Christ. And John wants us to know that. He wants us to know that he, we are loved deeply by God. He wants us to know that in this life we might not, people might not understand who we are. They not even have no notion of who we are in God as his children. It doesn't matter because we have an incredible future. And so what do we do in the meantime, folks? We pursue, we pursue godly character. Purify yourself as God is pure. James helps us to understand this concept. Real authentic religion, the kind that passes the muster before God the Father is this. Reach out to the homeless and the loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from the godless world. It's not easy, but it's necessary. Rooted in God's values, personal integrity, Christian character, a deep concern for others, as G.K. Chesterton says, the Bible tells us to love our neighbors, also tells us to love our enemies, probably because they're generally the same people. But we are deeply loved by God, folks. I want us to understand that we have an incredible future. Regardless of what you experience, you, me, have an incredible bright future, and we must realize that. And we must spend the rest of our time being occupied with living out lives that focus on our example. Focus on our example. Focus on the life of Christ. Because we're called to be like Christ in all we do. Folks, as we begin the year again, bask in the love of God. I wanted to show you that from the beginning of the Scriptures all the way in the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament, there's a consistent theme of the love in the heart of God. And at the center of all that, at the center of all that, folks, is you and me. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we 
just want to thank you this morning. Thank you that you chose to love us so incredibly much by sending your son. The pinnacle of your desire to show us love comes through the sacrifice of your son for us. The good news. Father, as we live each day, help us bank on, help us, help us Father, focus on, help us realize oppression in you every day. And we are always your children. And you are our Heavenly Father who loves us dearly. Amen.